Good to see all of you here this morning. If you are, um, if you're the uh, first time here with us, um, and you were coming expecting to see Pastor Chris Lonneville, I am not Pastor Chris Lonneville. Just to clarify, um, he and his wife Pastor Karen are away for the for a couple of weeks. Hope they're having a, a relaxing time. Um, my name is Ben. Uh, I work here at the church, and I'll be uh, sharing with you this morning. I do want to make a couple of super quick announcements. One is. As far as the video we just saw, there are some signups on the board in the back if you want to sign up for a life group. Um, however, the, you'll notice that there are some of those groups are no longer there because they have been filled up and are long, no longer available. So if you want to sign up, now is the time to do it. You might want to sneak out in the middle of my message to fill it up before they all get filled. No, please don't do that. Also, I want to mention that we don't uh, pass offering plates you know, to lower the amount of uh, hand passing objects, but there are boxes on the wall as you go out on the side and then by the drinking fountain that you can drop your offering in um, when you leave. All right. When I was 18, I had a job working at a factory near Buffalo that made arcade games. It's not as exciting as it sounds. Um, but there were a lot of interesting characters, let me tell you, that work in a factory near Buffalo making arcade games. A lot of interesting characters. And so there was this one older guy I want to tell you about. His name was Ron. That wasn't really his name, but we're going to say that his name was Ron. Is anybody here named Ron? Okay, good. Um, So we're going to say his name was Ron. um, And it was, we changed his name to um, cover his lack of innocence. And so the first time I met Ron, he heard that I was a Christian. And he was excited about that. And he told me about the church that he went to. He told me about how he would have Bible studies on his lunch break and how he wanted to have a prayer meeting in the morning before work. And that seemed weird to me, but when I was 18, most adults seemed weird to me. So, but whatever. And I remember um, uh, a few days later coming into work and seeing Ron, and I remember seeing Ron like flipping out on a coworker and using curse words in ways I've never heard curse words used before. And he's like red in the face and just screaming at this guy um, I can't remember exactly what it was. He took one of his tools or messed up a product he was working on, and he just, Ron lost it. And I, rem- I honestly remember like going, like looking at him, going like, is that the same guy that was talking to me a few days ago? Is that a different Ron? Because it was almost like there were two Rons, this sweet, happy Christian Ron, and then this like super angry, stay out of his way. If you mess up his workflow or his work schedule, watch out. Um, and you know, obviously Ron had some issues and I'm not going to hold that against him because guess what? We all have issues, right? Raise your hand if you have some issues, you know? So I'm not going to hold it against Ron, but meeting Ron taught me something. And that is this. It's weird when Christians are mean to people, isn't it? Something doesn't sit right. If you meet a Christian who loves Jesus, but is terrible to other people, what's up with that, right? So this, this, uh, this series we're in now, we're reviewing our church's vision statement. Does anybody know what it is? Trick question, it's on the wall. But does anyone want to say it for me? What's our vision statement? I see a hand in the back. What is it? Let's say it so people can hear you. Amen. Love God, love people, love Warsaw. Pastor John spoke last week about loving God. And that's first in our list because that is the first thing you got to get right. That's the foundation for everything that we do is first and foremost, we love God. Everything else stems from that. 
But today, what I want to suggest is that we show our love for God by loving other people. We show our love to God by loving other people. Does anybody, here's another pop quiz. Does anybody remember the title of Pastor John's message from last week? Ouch. Ouch. Dell, what'd you say? Put God first. That was his message there. Put God first. Here's what I want to tell you guys is that when we put God first, he leads us to put others before ourselves. We put God first, and then we put others before ourselves. This is what loving people really looks like. Love is not a mental note that you make. Oh, yeah, I love my neighbors. Oh, yeah, I love my family. Oh, yeah, I love people in my life. It's not something you just think about and decide to do. Loving is something you actually have to do. You actually have to put people ahead of yourself. You have to put their needs ahead of your needs. You have to put their concerns and their desires ahead of your own. We're going to spend a little bit of time this morning looking at Romans chapter 12. So if you have your Bibles, you can open it up to Romans 12. This, uh, the book of Romans is a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul uh, a couple of years. This is years after Jesus had come and gone. And the news about Jesus, the gospel, has been spreading, and it has spread from Jerusalem all the way to Rome. And so the Apostle Paul is writing a letter to all the Christians who are in Rome, and he's explaining the gospel to them. He's explaining what it means uh, to believe in Jesus. He's explaining that we are saved by grace, amen, and nobody is good apart from Jesus. And that's like the first half of Romans is, is that. And then in chapter 12, which is where we're going to look, he turns a corner. And Paul is no longer writing about how, what it means to be a Christian. And Paul starts writing about what it looks like to live as a Christian. He challenges the Christians to surrender their lives to God and live a transformed life. Not to conform any longer to the way they lived, but to live a whole new way. So beginning in verse 9, Paul describes what a life of a Christian should look like. It's a life characterized by love. Love, hear me say this, is the defining character trait of a Christian. And that's what Paul describes for us. So let's read Romans 12. We're going to start in verse 9 here and just read a little passage here. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. 
On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will keep burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Lord Jesus, I just want to invite you here to teach us from this passage of Scripture what it means to be loving to people. I pray that you would open our eyes um, to see it in new ways, and I pray that you would challenge us um, to new things. In your name, amen. So in my Bible, there's a heading over this passage. I don't know if your Bibles have a heading uh, over the passage. Actually, I'm curious. Does anybody have a heading in your Bible starting at verse 9 in that little group of verses? What does your heading say? Behave like a Christian. You must have the same Bible I do because that's what mine says. Behave like a Christian. Anybody have anything different in their heading? Yeah, Annette? Responsibilities towards God. Are there any other ones? Marks of a true Christian. I like that one right there. So this passage that he's giving us basically is how to behave like a Christian or what the marks of a true Christian are. It's a life, it's a demonstration of God's love. There's another place where Paul says this. He says that like all of the commandments that are associated with loving God and loving people, all those commandments can be summed up by saying, love your neighbor. Everything else that we have to do, like not killing people, not stealing from people, not lying to people, can be summed up by just love people. And so he gives us this, um, this real simple summary of that in this passage here. The lesson that we learned from the story about Ron that I told you earlier is that there should always be an outward expression of an inward change. Ron claimed to have an inward change, but there wasn't the outward expression of that. Um, and there should be. If there's something going on inside our hearts, we should see it in our lives. I love this passage we're looking at. Paul gives us some very clear, very, very practical advice about how to love people. So we're going to look through it, um, you know, just one verse at a time. We're not going to look at all the verses. There's a lot there. We're going to focus on the ones that talk about love. So let's start right at the beginning. The first thing Paul says is, love must be sincere. Uh, or other verses say, other translations say, love must be genuine. It must be true. And another way to say that is without hypocrisy, without pretense. The New Living Translation says, don't pretend to love people, really love them. God's love is not something you can fake. It's not something you can just put on. Now, let's, if we're all going to be honest for a moment, you know that there are times, there are social situations where you pretend to like people. You know, you say, oh, it's nice to meet you when you're thinking, this is a waste of my time. But God's love is the kind of love that you can't fake. It has to be real. Um, we watched this video in our youth group this week, and we had a discussion about it. We watched a video about this guy who admitted that when he was in high school, he pretended to be friends with another young man who owned an N64 because he wanted to play his video games. He didn't really like the guy, but he wanted to play his video games, so he pretended to be friends. And then we asked ourselves, have we ever had relationships that we use somebody for something we want? And maybe you weren't playing your friend's N64, but we all, I think we all have done that at some point, is treat somebody kind and loving just because we need to get something from them. And I would challenge that that's not sincere love. Sincere love leads to practical action. It leads to doing something. It leads to helping people and being there for them. So like if you're not sure, 
Am I, do I sincerely love this person? You've got to ask yourself, like, would I, be, would I do them a favor? Would I be, like, think about it like this. If that person called me and asked me to drop them off at the airport at 4 o'clock in the morning, would I do it? That's a good question to find out if your love is sincere or not. The next lesson Paul gives us is this. Honor one another above yourselves. Show honor to them before yourself and ahead of yourself. Other versions put it like this. Give preference to one another. And I love that term preference. Um, from that word, we, the first part of that is prefer. So the simple way to honor one another is to do what they would prefer. Let others go first. Let them hold the remote and pick the show you're going to watch. Oh. Or let them have the last slice of pie. How about that? That one was, that one was for me. <laughs> Put others before yourself. Can I, tell you, can I just tell you, while we're on a pet peeve of mine, stop calling dibs. I know, I know that like, when you call dibs, is anybody still immature enough to do that? Like, dibs. Um, <laughs> right? Like, and I know a lot of times when we say dibs, it's lighthearted, we're joking, we're being funny or whatever, but really, the heart of what I'm saying is, I want that for me. That's mine. You can't have it. It's so childish and selfish. Stop calling dibs on stuff. In the Message Bible, verse 10 says, practice, saying, practice playing second fiddle, which is an expression that basically means be in the background. Be okay being behind the scenes. You don't have to be in the spotlight. It doesn't have to be about you. Honor is about recognition. And so we learn to recognize others and not ourselves. You know, sometimes, this is good advice, this is good advice, because sometimes, even when I'm letting other people go first, I want recognition for that. You know, I'm pretty good at giving other people preference. You know, honestly, I'm pretty proud of how humble I can really be. When I let somebody else go first, I want you guys to know about it. But when I was preparing for this, I read a commentary commentating on this verse, and this is what he said. Brace yourself. He says, the problem is that Christians think too much of themselves. Some of you guys need to write that down. The problem is that Christians think too much of themselves. Don't be mad at me. I'm just, I'm just reading you what I saw written about what the Bible says. And I think it's a message that some of us need to hear. If you're going to put God first, like we talked about last week, then you're going to have to put people before yourself. You might say, you know, I would really prefer to take Saturday off and relax and just take it easy. But I saw someone post on Facebook that they're moving and they need help. So I'm going to put that aside and help somebody. That's what it looks like to love people, is not doing what you want, but helping them. Moving on. Um, the next lesson Paul gives us is very simple. is share with people who are in need and practice hospitality. And a lot of times when we think share with people in need, we think of money, like, oh, they need money, I'll give them money. But sharing can be stuff. It can be their car broke down and they need a ride, and I'll give them a ride. It could be I make someone a cup of coffee and bring it to them. It could be writing a card just to tell someone you're thinking about them. Honestly, in today's world, seriously, one of the best things you can share with people is time. And giving people your attention and just take a few minutes and call them or sit down with them and talk to them can be one of the most valuable things you could give somebody. 
And I love that Paul suggested that we practice hospitality. As in hospitality is not something, it's something that we keep doing until we get better at it. We need to practice hospitality. Other versions of the uh, scripture add the word, be eager to show hospitality or be inventive in your hospitality. And he's challenging us to go after it, to look for opportunities to be hospitable to other people. Jean Nickerson told me that uh, she makes it a practice to always carry an extra umbrella with her. Do you still have an, do you have an umbrella with you today? It's in the car. Um, hopefully you don't need it today. But she makes it a practice to always carry an extra umbrella. And you say, why? Because she wants to be ready to give that to somebody who needs one. So she's prepared and she's looking for that. She's looking for somebody who needs it. And I love that. Honestly, I'm not very good at that kind of thing. Like, my approach is this. My approach is if someone comes to me looking for help, then I'm willing. But instead, Paul's challenging us to look for people who might need and go to them and say, hey, I think I could help you. That's what it means to practice hospitality. Um, so the next thing I want to, next point that Paul makes is bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. In the message it says, don't be cursing under your breath, but bless them. Now we all know the lesson that mama taught us, which is if you can't say nothing good, don't say nothing at all, right? But that's not what Paul says, is it? Paul says, you ought to say nice things about mean people. That's another one. Some of you should write that down. Say nice things about mean people. Don't raise your hands. Please don't. But do any of you know any mean people? Huh? Anybody know any mean people? I challenge you. Say something nice about those people. Usually when people are mean, it's because they're hurting. And I think we all know that. It doesn't take, you know, a psychology degree to figure that out. They're hurting about something else. And when we love those people, watch this, when you love those people, you're putting their need for kindness above your own. You feel like, you know what, I deserve for people to be kind to me. I want people to be nice to me. But you say, you know what, instead, I'm going to be nice to them first. Do not be proud. Don't be conceited. I love how to the point Paul is right there. Be willing to associate with people of low position, people who are um, in just menial jobs or people who aren't very popular or aren't very important by the world standards. Be willing to associate with them. There's a note in my Bible. It's like a little asterisk and a note in the margin at the bottom on this verse which says, give yourself to... Give yourself to humble tasks. When I read it, that stood out to me. It struck me. Give yourself to humble tasks. In fact, I wrote it on a little sticky note and put it on my, on my desk in front of me so I can remember that. Give yourself to humble, menial, boring, lowly tasks. Before I worked here at the church, uh, I worked at a store for a long time. And by the time I was like, done working there, or by the end of my time there, I had a lot of responsibilities that I, at least that I felt were very important to do. And I remember days coming in and going to work and seeing that like the floor was dirty, the garbage can was full, and I remember thinking like, man, I hope somebody comes and cleans this up. Yeah, where's, where are the people who are responsible to clean, take out the garbage? Come on, get to work. 
And then I usually, usually would stop myself and realize like, seriously, when did I become so important that I can't take out the garbage? When did I become, my job become so important that I can't do humble things? And it wasn't like that the time was really that much of a factor. It was like, I shouldn't be doing this. I'm more important than garbage cleanup guy. And God used that to challenge me. And so I would challenge you guys, give yourself to some humble tasks. In the Message Bible, it says, get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be a great somebody. And the New Living Translation adds, don't think that you know it all. I love those. Those are are good challenges that we need to hear. Um, When it says, like, get along with, or make friends with nobodies. You know, there are people who, let's, if we're being honest, um, maybe aren't that important to us. They're not well off. They're not well connected. They're not a lot of fun to hang out with. And so we maybe avoid those people. But Paul's challenging us if we're going to love people, we have to love those people as well. A lot of times it's our own sense of self-importance that keeps us from loving people well. I used to do this thing when I was at work, um, and somebody would show up there that I didn't really want to talk to. I suddenly would become like super focused on a project that I'm working on that had like this really, really significant deadline, and I just had to get this work done. But then if somebody else came in who I was friends with, it was like, oh yeah, that project can wait. That's, that, that take time and hang out with them. So what I was doing is I was putting this busy work that I had to do ahead of people. Really, I was putting my own selfishness ahead of people. But if we put God first, he rearranges those things in our life. On that note, um, the next thing Paul tells us is do not repay evil for evil and do not take revenge. Repaying one evil deed with another evil deed, that's just a bad idea. I thought about the problem with revenge is that it's like a prank war. Every time you retaliate, you have to escalate. And eventually, it gets out of hand. Trust me, I know from experience. And the same thing is with revenge. You just keep trying to do the worst thing to the next person until at the end of the day, we're all mean to each other. That's a terrible world no one wants to live in. At some point, somebody has to not repay evil things for evil things. Um, Gandhi said, uh, an eye for an eye leaves the whole world blind. That same idea in a phrase there. But it's not just that revenge is dangerous business. It's forgiveness is what love commands us. Think about this, guys. Just think about this. Suppose for a moment that somebody you knew did something terrible to you. And they were going to be severely punished, and rightly so, because they deserved it. But you decided to forgive them, even though they didn't deserve it. Maybe they didn't even ask for forgiveness, but you decided that you were going to forgive them, and you were going to give them a second chance. Now let me ask you, what does that remind you of? That should sound kind of familiar, that whole like someone who doesn't deserve to be forgiven gets forgiven and gets another chance? Because that's what Jesus has done for you. Jesus has forgiven you even when you didn't ask for it, even when you didn't deserve it. And he gave you a second chance. And so we ought to forgive others and give them a second chance. I'm not suggesting that justice shouldn't be done for criminals. I'm just echoing Paul's concern or Paul's instructions. We don't repay evil with more evil. Putting God first 
means we're putting somebody else's need for forgiveness ahead of my own desire for revenge or my own desire to see them get what's coming. And on that same note, Paul goes on and he says, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them a drink. If their car's in a shop, offer to give them a ride to work. If they're going to be gone for the weekend, offer to watch their dog. If you find out they like ice cream, buy them a Yummy's gift card. You guys see where I'm going with this? A lot of times this, if your enemies are hungry, feed them, we over-spiritualize it. And we think, oh yes, if I ever see them starving on the side of the road, I'll stop. But really, the heart of what Paul is saying is, when people you don't like have problems, do something about it. You know, loving others, loving people, often leads us to do things that seem a little counterintuitive. You know, like, normally, if we see someone, let's be honest, if we see someone that we would consider an enemy having a bad day, we enjoy that. Maybe gloat a little bit. Maybe we share it on Facebook or something like that. You know, at least, you know, better you than me kind of thing, right? But what Paul is saying is that we ought, to ha- we ought to have concern for them. We ought to help them. The love of a Christian does not conform to social expectations. It doesn't conform to social norms. It operates a little differently. When Paul said, don't let evil get the best of you, he doesn't mean don't let evil people get away with doing bad things. When Paul says, don't let evil get the best of you, he means when people do bad things to you, don't let an evil attitude towards them creep into your heart. When we put God first, he reorders our priorities. The things that were once so important to us, like my own needs, my own desires, what I want right now becomes less important. And what other people need and want, even our enemies, that takes a higher priority for us. We put God first. He teaches us to put others ahead of ourselves. Paul gave us a lot of good advice um, in this passage, a lot of really practical advice, but the underlying theme is this. We love people by putting them before ourselves. So I want to close with a prayer, and then I'm going to ask you a question. Because, let's be honest, if we're going to love people, we really, really need God's help. It's hard, you know, treating your enemies nicely, not being selfish. It's hard stuff. So let's pray. God, we ask for your help because we love you and we want to love people, but we need your help to do it well. We need your help to do it better. I pray you'd help us to be patient and gracious and kind. I pray you'd help us to be hospitable and even be nice to mean people. I pray you'd remind us of this uh, when we are in those situations. Um, I pray that you'd be with us when we're, when we're trying. In your name we pray. And everyone said? So I want to leave you with a question, which is, how are you going to love people this week? How are you going to love people? Is there a mean person you want to say something nice to? Is there something hospitable you want to do for someone else? What do you want to do to love people this week? I'm serious. I want you to think about it. Write something down. Make a note in your phone. Don't just nod at me. Actually, think of something that you can do to show love to people this week. I'm going to test you next week. No, not really. All right. Thank you, guys. Have a great week. The deacons will release you. Um, so you can go out in an orderly fashion.